Glad y'all are here this morning. And how many of you, that hour got you last night? How many of you, yeah, that hour, that, that stinks, man. Fall is awesome because you get the hour. Spring is terrible because you lose the hour. But you're excited to be here, right? Right? The crust, the crust still in your eyes and everything else. You're excited to be here. I'm excited you're here. Excited about today as we continue this uh, scandalous series. And today we're going to be in Luke chapter 15. Um, and really what you just saw, Drew's testimony is really about, it's, it's a summation of what we're talking about today. It's, it's about when we wander away from God, um, it's about a God who pursues us, who comes after us, and who brings us back to himself. And, uh, and so um, that testimony is a perfect picture of what we're going to talk about today in the rest of the message. And you've heard this morning about the parable of the lost sheep and the sheep that went astray and the shepherd who went and found him. You heard this morning about the parable of the lost coin, um, the woman who lost one of her ten coins, and then she, she scours the, the house and lights a lamp, and she goes and finds that coin. And now I want to read just a part of uh, the parable of the lost son. There's three parables in uh, Luke chapter 15. All of them have to do with lost things. All of them have to do with things that have been lost and things that are then found. And so let's read this, and then we'll jump in and pray and jump into the message. It says in verse 11 of chapter 15 of the Gospel of Luke, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. Let's pray. God, we thank you, God, that... Uh, you do pursue us. We thank you, Lord, that you come after us. God, we thank you that when we could do nothing for ourselves, God, you did everything through the power of your Holy Spirit. You awakened us, God, to your love and your grace. God, I pray today if there's anyone here who has not experienced that, that awakening that happens when we realize who you are and what you've done for us, God, I pray that their hearts would be awakened today, that your spirit would illuminate their hearts today. And God, that it would illuminate who you are in their hearts today. God, we just thank you for that. Father, thank you for your word that it's alive, that it speaks to our hearts now. And God, let it find good soil in our hearts that it would produce fruit in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, as you look at these parables, you do see that there's three lost things. There's a lost sheep, there's a lost coin, and now we've read that there's a lost son. And I want to tell you, um, five things that I draw out of this text um, real quick, and then I want to go back through the text and kind of look at those in, in the text. Um, the very first one is this, that we can't underestimate our lostness. We can't underestimate our lostness. We can't underestimate how lost we really are when we're apart from God. We can't underestimate how lost we were when, when God first came to us. And, and for many of us, we have come to this place where we've sort of wandered away from God. Or maybe there's an area of our lives that we have, have turned our backs on God and walked away from him. And so there's the reality of our lostness. I remember when I was younger, um, I would go hunting a lot. I still do a lot of hunting. Um, but when I was younger, I was really bad about getting lost. Um, I'd go into the woods and get turned around and not know how to get out. And one day I went hunting and, and I just kept walking and walking and, and um, wasn't having any luck, but as I was hunting, I, I, I went and, and it started getting dark and I thought, well, I'll, I'll find my way out before long. Well, then it gets dark and I came to like this, um, bay, this place that had a lot of water in it. And, and so I started walking across it because the water was shallow 
And as I started walking, I kept walking and kept walking, and it seemed like the water kept getting deeper and deeper and deeper. And pretty soon it's dark, and I'm wading through this water, um, literally to the point where I had to hold my gun up to keep it out of the water. And I'm thinking, like, where's the alligators? Where's the snake? Something's going to kill me. I'm going to be dinner for something. Something's about to eat me. And so um, it, was, it was horrifying. And so I, I finally, obviously, I found my way out because I'm here. But I'm um, not still there. But, but it was, it was, it was a, a lesson for me, and I think it's a lesson for all of us in that sometimes we just keep walking away from God, and rather than turning around and going the other direction and pursuing God as he's pursued us, we, we keep going the wrong direction. We continue to walk, we continue to go, we continue to walk away from him, and we can't underestimate the loss, our lostness. We can't underestimate how alienated we are from God. And if you're here today and you feel distant from God um, and you look at your life and it's because you have walked away from God, then I want you today to have the opportunity that you can turn back to him. But you've got to admit, you've got to come to the place where you recognize that you're lost, that you need God, that we've walked away, we've wandered away from him. The second thing is that we can't underestimate the effects of our lostness. We can't underestimate the effects of it because when we have our, our loss, when we're wandering from God, nothing is right. Nothing feels right. Nothing, we're not satisfied. There's just longings in our heart for things that we're grasping at, but none of it satisfies us. And, and so we're continuing to just grasp at things. And, 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 and we underestimate the effects and we don't realize that this direction we're walking in is sin. When we walk away from God, we're walking in sin. And the reality of it is, as we walk in sin, it causes collateral damage in our lives. It's not just us who are affected by it. Many times we'll rationalize our sin and say, well, it's only hurting me. But that's a lie because it affects everybody around us. And so we've got to realize the, the, how, how much it does damage our lives when we walk away from God, when we begin to wander away from him. And every one of us in here today have wandering hearts. They, they're prone to wander. They're prone to, to walk away from God. And so we've got to recognize this and recognize um, the, the impact of that in our lives. The third thing that we can't underestimate is we can't underestimate what God did to save us from our lostness. We can't underestimate what God did. In fact, if you look at these parables today, the first one deals with a shepherd going after the sheep the second one deals with a woman who finds a coin. And the third one deals with a father who waits patiently for his son. You really look at this and you see the Trinity. You see our God in three persons. You see one God, three persons in, in operation to find what is lost. And when you look at this, you see that the shepherd is symbolic of Jesus. Jesus who pursued us, who came after us. Um, Jesus who, who left the fold to come and find the one. You also see in this that there was an illumination when the coin was found and the Holy Spirit illuminates our heart. Um, he does for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. That coin was an inanimate object. It was something that couldn't save itself, couldn't do anything for itself. That's where we were. That's where we are. We cannot save ourselves. We are completely dependent upon the power of the Holy Spirit and the work of Jesus to save us. And then the third one is that the father waits patiently. He waits patiently for his son to return, for his daughters to return. He waits for us patiently to come back to him. And so you see the, the son, Jesus, you see the Holy Spirit, and you see the father all at work in this redemption story. And so I don't want you today to underestimate what God's done for you to bring you back to himself or to bring you to himself for, his, for the first time. God has done a lot. God sent his son to the cross. He bore our sin upon himself. He took the punishment that we deserved. He died a death that we should have died, and he 
rose again so that you and I could have life. And because of that, um, we see how much God has really done. He sent back his Holy Spirit to give us the empowerment to live the life that he's called us to live, to give us empowerment to satisfy our souls um, in the deepest way. And so he's done so much for us. Um, And I don't want you to underestimate what God has done for us um, as he's brought us out of this lostness. I don't want you to underestimate the power of returning. The fourth thing is the power of returning. There's this reality that that the beginning of restoration is the moment we turn back to God. That's the moment that we begin to be restored, is the moment that we begin to turn back to God and we begin to pursue him with our lives. And so there's this power of restoration. There's this, this power of returning that happens if we'll turn our hearts back to Jesus, if we'll turn our hearts back to God, if we'll let God do in us what he wants to do, if we'll surrender our lives to him, we see this take place, that there is a power in returning. And we're gonna see that in the life of this son who wandered away. The last one is that, there's a feast and a celebration. There's a feast and a celebration. And I don't want you to underestimate this either. There's a great feast, there's a great celebration when one sinner, one person turns back to God. And each parable talks about the celebration that takes place in heaven, the celebration that takes place amongst the angels. They talk about the celebration. It's one reason that we celebrate when people um, come to Christ here at Connection Church. We celebrate that because it's a big deal. It's somebody's eternity being shaped, somebody's eternity being changed. It's somebody's um, eternal life being taken care of. Um, it's a celebration of the work of God in their lives. And so we want to celebrate that. The heavens celebrate that. And today, if you're far from God and you'll return to God today, the heavens celebrate that. And we celebrate that with you, that you've come back to God, you've come back to Jesus. And so I want you to see those things and, and, and look at those things throughout these parables as we go through them, that we can't underestimate our lostness. We can't underestimate the effects of our lostness. We can't underestimate what God has done to save us from our lostness. We can't underestimate the power of returning. And we can't underestimate the feast and celebration that takes place when God gets one of his sons or one of his daughters back and brings them to himself. And so when we look at that, be thinking about that as we go through this text. Verse 1 of chapter 15 of Luke says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. When I read that this week, it really made me think about lostness. It made me think about lost people. It made me think about how many lost people are around us. But it challenged me in a big way because it challenged me to ask the question, do lost people like to be around me? Because if we're to be like Christ, then it would seem to reason that if they like to be around Jesus, they like to hear what Jesus had to say, then it should come to to the point where they like to be around us too if we're becoming like Christ. If there's a message of good news in our hearts that we're sharing with other people, they should want to be around us. And the question I have for us individually and as a church is this. Are we a church that people like to come to who are far from God? Do they feel like they can walk through the doors? One of the things I want for this church is for it to be a place of hope. I want people to know that if they can't find hope anywhere else, that they can, if they can get to a connection church, they're going to find hope in that place because we're going to give them Jesus and point them to Christ. And so when I look at this, it challenges me to say, are we on our tracks? Are we doing the right thing in becoming a church and being a church that that God is able to use to bring people who are far from himself to himself. Or verse two, it says, but the Pharisees and teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. 
Or are we more like the Pharisees? Are we people who were so religious and mean we have so many rules and so much stuff that, that it's not about a relationship with Jesus that brings hope, but that brings condemnation upon people? And, and these Pharisees and teachers of the law couldn't stand it because Jesus ate with sinners. He, he, and to eat with someone meant acceptance. It meant, it, meant, it meant having a relationship with them. It was more than just sharing a meal in that day. And so we have to ask ourselves and challenge ourselves with that question. Another thing that it challenged me about as we look at lostness and lost things is in each one of these, there's a number that's very important. And the number is one. The number is one. I have people, I hear quite a bit, you know, well, y'all are just about the numbers. It's just about the numbers with y'all. It's all about the numbers. And I'm like, you're absolutely right. It's about the numbers. It's about the numbers. It's about the number one. It's about that next person that needs to meet Christ. It's about that one person that walks through the doors today. He doesn't have a relationship with God. It's about the one person who, who is far from God right now, and yet God is pulling them back to himself. It's that one person that God puts in front of us. I had an opportunity this week. I don't know. It seems like sometimes you go through seasons where you don't get a lot of opportunities to share your faith. I had an opportunity this week. Um, I was sitting there talking to this, this man and and I felt Lord put it in my heart to share my faith with him, to share hope with him. And, and then I was like, God, if you want me to do this, then open the door. And there was a little crack in the door. And for like 30 minutes, I just went blah, like everywhere because I was so excited. I got to share with him in that, right? And, and so we need to look at that and realize that it's about that one, that one person that God puts in front of us in that time, in that moment, in that, that one person that needs to know the hope and love of Christ, the one person who's walking and dying in their own sin, in their own ways that needs to know there's a better way to walk, and that is walking with Christ. And so we have to come to a place where we recognize that. And that number one is, is, is so apparent in these texts, the one sheep, the one coin, the one son that God is pursuing, that he's going after, that ought to mean a lot to us. Because we ought to realize that amongst all the people in the world, God puts his love on us, on one, on one person, each individual person. He puts his love on us and draws us to himself. It goes on in there and it says that when he finds the sheep, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Like for me, I don't, I don't think I'd be joyful if my sheep wandered off, Right? I think if when I found the sheep, I'd be like, you little stupid sheep, right? I'd be mad. I wouldn't be like, oh, I found my sheep, you good sheep. I'd be like, get up, sheep, you know? And, and, and the thing is, like, he puts the sheep on his shoulders, and he carries it home. And I think this, as you look at Luke chapter 15, you really see the heart of God. And I, and I want you to see this, that he doesn't begrudgingly put him on his shoulders and carry him home. He's joyful and putting him on his shoulders and carrying him home. And that's how God feels about us. When we are finally ready to return, there's joy in God. There's, there's a joyfulness about it. He doesn't begrudgingly bring us back to himself. He does it with joy. The Bible says that Jesus went to the cross for the joy that was set before him. What joy was in the cross? There was no joy in the cross. It was separation from the heaven, his heavenly father, something he'd never experienced before in his life. But the joy was on the other side of the cross because he knew there'd be relationship with you and I and things would be reconciled back to the Father. 
And so as we look at that today and we look at this, there's joy in the Father's heart to be able to bring us back to himself. And if you're far from God today, my prayer is for you that you would realize that and you would turn your heart back to him and recognize that you have a Father who will joyfully take you home, joyfully take you to where you need to be. God is so good that he will meet us where we are, but he loves us so much that he won't leave us there. But he'll carry us with him and take us to the places that we need to be. That's one of the things that a shepherd does is he leads them to green pasture. He leads them from pasture to pasture. That's what God longs to do for us in our life is to lead us from pasture to pasture rather than us wandering from place to place trying to find satisfaction that we'll never find on our own. It goes on into the parable of the lost coin. And again, we see the number one, this one coin that's lost. And then we see that she lights this lamp. And the biggest thing I take away from this is that that, that, that coin could not do anything to save itself. Just like you and I couldn't do anything to save ourselves. It's all a work of Jesus. It's all by grace, as Drew said in the video. It's all by grace that we're saved. It's all by grace that we're able to have any kind of effectiveness in our lives. It's all by grace that God uses us to do things. His unmerited, his unconditional love and favor in our lives. That's what his grace is. And so he works in our lives. And this is not some soft message about um, God loves you and you just come. God, he's a lamb. You come to the lamb. It's, it's not like that. It's, it's, it's a message of grace, of powerful grace that works in our lives and works in our hearts to transform us so that we can live the life that God's called us to live, which brings him glory and ultimately us satisfaction. That's what it's about is a powerful grace. Jesus is not a sissy God. Jesus is the, the lion of Judah. He's powerful. He's mighty. He took everything that Satan had to give and came out victorious. He is, he is a man's man. He is a God who gives us a, a way to, 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 to become what we were created to be in the beginning. And he does it through grace, through his unmerited favor, his unconditional love, and the power of the Holy Spirit that works through his love. It goes on in verse 11 of Luke 15, and Jesus goes into the parable of the lost son. And in those days, it was something that would, could happen, it would happen from time to time, where a father would give away his inheritance to his sons before they were, he actually died. And so this is what the father does. And it tells us that this young man takes it and it's not long before he runs away with the inheritance and he goes and spends it on wild living and prostitutes and all kinds of stuff. He, he spends it on um, and wastes it and just squanders it. And then the Bible tells us as we read on um, that after he had spent everything, this is in verse 14, it says there was a severe famine in that whole country. And the thing I would tell you out of that verse is this, that when we begin to wander from God, we always end up spiritually famished. We always end up in a place that we don't desire to be. Sin always carries us further than what we had intended to go. It's something that always robs us of, of life rather than giving us life. We, we pursue sin so often, so many times. We go our own way so often, so many times. And yet the problem with it is, is that it never does what it promises us it will do. It always leaves us disappointed. It always leaves us wanting more and never satisfies us. Drew talked in that video about being satisfied in Jesus, a satisfaction that he had never had or, or couldn't find in anything else. 
a satisfaction that comes only through a relationship with Christ. And, and so I want you to be able to see that and, and be able to understand that and, and really be able to grab hold of that. But this son, he wandered away and he squandered everything that his father had given him. The other day, Reed and I went, and we got a pond. It's back in the woods from our house. It's just a small pond. But we decided he wanted to go fishing, so I decided I would try to take him fishing. And as we were um, going, the, the roads are too wet right now to be able to drive to the pond. Um, and you can get to the pond, but you have to go through the woods to get to it. Um, there's a field, and then about 30 yards through the woods is the pond. And so I told Reed, I was like, let's go cut us a path to the pond. Right, we'll get the chainsaw, and he got a little handsaw, you know, and he's six years old. So we went, and we were going to cut this path. We we're going to have this, you know, father-son bonding time of this adventure of cutting the path to the pond. And so we drive down the edge of the field, and we finally get to this point, and I said, Reed, all right, this is it. Let's cut our path. We start cutting our way through there. We get a little ways in, and no joke, there was a pine tree that was in front of us like this big around. I was like, great time of day. And so um, I was like, Reed, you want to just go back to the house? I really wanted to talk him into just going back and so much for the adventure. But um, he was over there trying to cut limbs down with his little saw, and he's throwing limbs out of the way. And I was like, oh, man, I don't want to disappoint him. And so we decided we'd try to cut up the tree. And so we worked for like an hour and a half, two hours to cut this tree up. And once I got the tree removed, I could see through the woods a little bit better. And as I started looking and I started seeing through the woods, we had cut the path in the wrong place. I was so mad. It, it was still at the pond, but it was at a part of the pond you really couldn't even fish in. And I was like, great time of day. What in the world? And so I don't know why I'm saying great time of day so much today. But anyway, um, but it was at a point where, where I'd worked really hard. And we had, we had cut this path, and we're on this path. But, and we worked really hard, but ultimately it was taking us to the wrong place. And some of us today are working really hard. We're trying really hard to do things, but we're going in the wrong direction. And we're pursuing things really hard, but we're going after things that never seem to satisfy. And, and I want to challenge you today that you look at it differently and you turn and you begin to look at Jesus. And you begin to let him put a light on your path and guide you down the path that he wants you to go down. That you let him lead you to the pasture that he wants you in. And that you begin to allow God to, to be your satisfaction rather than looking at all these other things to be your satisfaction. So it goes and, and it talks about the severe famine. He goes into a distant country and he experiences famine. It says that it was such a famine that uh, it was in the whole country and he began to be in need. So verse 15 says, he went and hired himself out as a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to feed, fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Now, this is huge, and you, you have to understand a little bit of the Jewish culture to understand why this is such a big deal. But for Jewish people, pigs were considered dirty. If you touched a pig, you became ceremonially, ceremonially unclean. And, and you were not allowed to worship. You weren't really allowed into the community. If you touched someone after you touched the pig, they became unclean. It was just this, this thing where they saw the pig as very dirty. You have this Jewish boy now that Jesus is talking about who is in a place where he has gotten so low that not only is he willing to work with the pigs, but he's also willing to eat what the pigs were eating. 
He's in such a lost place. And then one day the Bible says, as he's longing to eat the, pig, the pods that the pigs were eating, it says in verse 17, he says, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. And this begins a section that I want you to see the son's response. I want you to see what he does. I want you to see how he responds to being lost. Because the very first thing that happens is it says he came to his senses. He came to a point where he was awakened. He came to a point where there was a change of mind. And he realized that what I'm doing is stupid. What I'm doing doesn't make sense. The life I'm living, it's never going to be what I thought it would be. And he comes to his senses and he realizes that it's not going to do for him what it promised it would do, what he thought it would do. He realizes I'm not going to find what I thought I would find where I thought I would find it. And he comes to his senses and he has a change of mind. In verse 18, he says, I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. So he decides that I'm going to set out and go back. You see that he has this change of heart. I don't want to go that direction anymore. He has a revelation and a change of mind when he comes to his senses. He has a change of heart. I don't want to go that way anymore. I don't want to live this way anymore. I want something different. I want to go a different direction. And then we finally see in verse 20 that he says, so he, he got up and went. There was a change of direction, but it became, it came because there was a revelation of, I don't need to go this way anymore. It's dumb for me to go this way. I shouldn't keep going this way. It, it doesn't make sense for me to do this. It's ridiculous. And so he decides to go a different direction. He has a change of mind, a change of heart, and then finally a change of direction where he goes a different direction. And in that, in that nutshell there, I want you to see a picture of repentance, I want you to see that that is a picture of what repentance is. It's a picture of turning from our ways, turning from our sin, turning from our own direction and turning towards God and walking and pursuing after him as he's pursuing after us. And so in that, you see this picture. One of the verses that jumped out at me, though, is in verse 19. It says, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And so this is what he's going to tell his father. I'm no longer worried, worthy to be called your son, so make me like one of your hired servants. So he's had a change of mind, a change of heart, and a change of direction. But in his own mind, he's thinking, I'm not worthy to be called his son. And I thought about that this week as I was reading that. And one of the things that I realized is that many people today feel like they can't come back to God because they're not worthy to be a son or a daughter of God. And the reality of it is that none of us are worthy of being God's son. We're not worthy of being God's daughter, not on our own, not with the things that we have done, not with the, even the good things that we can do, but because of what Jesus did on the cross for us, because of what Jesus has done for us and giving us his righteousness, we have become worthy simply because now we are seen in the righteousness of Christ. And so we can turn and come back to God. We can come to our senses and have a change of mind. We can have a change of heart. We can have a change of direction and come to God worthy to be his son, not because we are worthy, but because the Lamb of God who took away our sin is worthy. And so now we have that ability to come to him. And that should be humbling to us. That should be something that gives us great confidence. That should be something that gives us great 
peace, that we're able to walk into the presence of God. We're able to come boldly before his throne of grace. We're able to know him. We're able to have a relationship with him. We're able to be called his son. We're able to be called his daughter. We're able to be what he ultimately had created us to be, not because of what we've done, but because of what Jesus did for us. And all we have to do is recognize that our way is wrong. Our way doesn't work. Our way doesn't satisfy. Our way is sin. It's away from God. But God's way is where we find satisfaction. God's way in turning to him is, is where we find what we've longed to find in the first place. So that's the son's response, a change of mind, a change of heart, and a change of direction. And this returning, this repentance is the beginning of restoration in his life. And listen to this. It says after verse 20, he says, so he got up and went to his father. It says, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. How many of you, this would be your experience with God? That when you were running from God, you, you got so far away that you thought you could never return. And, but the moment you decided that you would return to God, you realized that God was already running to you. How many of you have ever experienced that in your life? You, you found that to be true. I know for me, the day that I got saved, I, I remember there was a guy, I was on a retreat, and there was a guy who was preaching that morning, and he was talking about sin, and he was talking about every sin I did. I don't know how he knew how many, how the sins I was committing, but he was naming them one by one. And, and the thing was, I was like, man, maybe I just committed so many, he can just throw them out there, I've done them all. And, and as I was sitting there, it just started making me matter and matter as I listened to this guy preach because he was, he was talking about everything I was doing wrong and calling me out on it. And, and I got madder and madder and madder. And then finally I got to the point where one of two things was going to happen. I was either going to go punch this dude because I didn't like what he was saying or I was going to get up and leave. And about the time I decided to get up and leave because I didn't want to get beat up, I, I, I decided or I heard the Lord speak to my heart and he spoke to my heart and he said, why don't you just shut up and listen? And I was realizing that moment that what I was doing was I was running from God. I realized in that moment that all I had to do is turn around and God would be there for me. God was gonna meet me where I was. And at that moment, I surrendered my life to Christ and I I said, I don't want to go my way anymore, God. I want to go your way. I want to live for you. I want you to take control of my life. And now there's been times, guys, where I have wandered. There's been times where I have, I have strayed. There's been times where I've made mistakes. There's been times where I've done things I shouldn't have done. There's been times when I wanted to pursue my own agenda rather than God's. But the thing I can tell you is every time I've ever turned around and I've ever said, God, forgive me. I've ever had a change of mind, a change of heart, and a change of direction. God has been there to meet me. And, and that's the thing I want you to see today, that if you are far from God, you have a God who runs to you, who, who, who comes after you. And all you've got to do is turn, and he receives you. I want you to hear today that returning is the beginning of restoration. Because when it says that... Uh, the father ran to him. He ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. Now, I don't know about you, but 
I don't know that I would have got that reception if I, when I came home, back home, right? Because I don't know if my dad would have ran to me and kissed me or if he would have ran to me like pulling his belt off while he's running to me. I don't know which one I would have gotten. But this man runs to him and he gives his son compassion and love. And he's just glad to have his son home. And for him to run was a big deal. Because back then in that day, for a man to run in that culture, it was seen as undignified. It was something that they didn't do. And I want you to see that God is telling us, is showing us that he was willing to become undignified in the eyes of man to be able to save us and embrace us as God. And so that's what he did on the cross. The Bible talks about cursed is the one who hangs on the tree. But, but what it's saying is that Jesus became a curse for us so that we could be blessed by God's presence, so that we can know God. And, and in that, we see that God, just like this man, was willing to throw off what others thought, to throw off and become undignified before people so that we could come to a place of having a relationship with him. And so he ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. Verse 21 says, the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. So we hear that again, that he says, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And this begins the response of the father towards that statement. But the father said to the servants, quick. The father doesn't even let him finish his, his apology. He doesn't even let him get finished. And he says, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. When he comes back, this robe, it wasn't just some bathrobe or something that he threw on his son. It was a robe that represented honor. It was something that, that, they, that he put on him to show that I'm receiving you back as my son. The ring he put on his finger wasn't just some ring. It was a ring that represented authority. And so he was saying, I'm giving my, him back the authority of my son. He's not coming back to me as a servant. He's coming back to me as my son. And so he gives him the authority of his son, not of a servant. And then it says he puts uh, sandals on his feet. See, back in that day, the servants went barefoot, but the family, they would have had shoes. And so he's saying again that I'm embracing him as my son, not as a servant. And I really want you to see that, that God doesn't bring us back as some lower class citizen. He brings us back as his son, his daughter, to, to, to be embraced, to be his own, to, to be um, in his presence, fully restored to our position as son or daughter. And, and, and here we see why this is scandalous. Because even to our religious minds, it doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem fair. I mean, if the son had come back and the story went like this, that the son came back, he worked for 15 years, 
doing exactly what the father said do and he did all of it with excellence and he never once raised his voice to his father he never once did what he didn't tell him to do then we and then the father came to him and gave him back his robe he gave him back his ring and he gave him back his sandals then we could understand that like our mind grabs that it, it grasps that but it, it doesn't grasp this unmerited undeserved love that God gives us and, and today we should celebrate what God has done for us what he's done through in us and what he wants to do through us as he gives us this incredible grace this scandalous grace that we cannot ever deserve that we cannot ever earn but God gives it to us freely making us his sons and his daughters it says that he brought the fattened calf and killed it it says that he told him let's have a feast and celebrate and today I, I felt as I read that this morning that God sort of highlighted that word feast because I think for many of us, we're not enjoying what God wants us to enjoy. We're not experiencing God in a way that satisfies. We're not, we're not being nurtured in our relationship with God. For some of us, listen, some of you come in and the only thing you get every week is a message from me. And some of us need to learn how to feed ourselves. You wouldn't eat one time a week. So you can't feed yourself spiritually one time a week. You've got to come to a place where you're feeding yourself, where you're, you're feasting on God's word, where you're feasting on his presence through prayer, where you're feasting on his presence through worship. See, I don't want to live off of someone else's experience of God. I want to have my own experience with God. If this book is true, and I believe with all my heart that this book is true, then there's more to God than what we're currently experiencing. There's more to God, and I want to press into God and experience God in a real way. He's a living God. Listen, anything that's, nothing that's dead can speak to us, but God speaks he speaks to our heart. He speaks through his word. He speaks to us in prayer and worship. And we need to come to a place where we're feasting on that. I remember the first time God spoke to my heart through his word. I'd been saved just for a couple of months. And Susan and I, a few months, and Susan and I went on our first anniversary trip. And we got to Helen. She had told me how great it was. Um, we walked up the street one way and turned around and walked back down the street the other way. And I was like, where's the rest of it? She's like, that's it. I was like, really? And so that was all. And so we go back to, to our room, and uh, it was our first anniversary trip. So I'm thinking about some romance and all this stuff. And she was asleep at 9 o'clock. So I was like, well, that's kind of disappointing. And then so I just got my Bible out, and I started reading uh, in 1 Corinthians. And when I started reading it, it began to convict me. It began to challenge me, and I began to hear God speak to me through his word. And you know, God becomes so real when we come into the reality of hearing his voice, when we're actually feasting on who he is and what he's done. And I want to encourage you today that you can do that. You don't need me to, 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 to feed you everything. You don't need anyone up here to feed you everything. God wants you to have the experience with him. He wants you to have the relationship with him. He wants you to hear him speak through his word. He wants you to have the, hear him speak through prayer and through worship and all these other ways. And so we're, we have the opportunity to feast 
not to have to live off of leftovers that someone else has already experienced. And so I want you to be able to feast and to celebrate what God's done for you. And he says, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. My son was dead and he is alive again. And see, that's what happens when God's spirit comes into our hearts. Is he takes us from death to life. This son had known the joy of being in his father's presence, but he had wandered from it. He came back and the father celebrates the fact that he was as good as dead to me because I thought I'd never see him again. But now he's come alive. He's back with me. For those who have never experienced the grace of Jesus, when you come to faith in Christ, he gives you the Holy Spirit, his spirit to live in you. And that takes us from death to life. He's alive in us. And, and so he, we come alive spiritually. But then we can walk away from God. We can wander. And it begins to quench the spirit in us. But I want to encourage you today that if you've walked away, God wants to bring you back. If you've never been in a relationship with Jesus, God wants to make you alive in him. See, Jesus has overcome Satan. He's overcome death. He's overcome hell. He's overcome the grave. And so we can experience life. When I was little, I probably was about six or seven years old, I was walking around a pool. And on the concrete next to the pool where I was walking was a yellow jacket. And I stepped on the yellow jacket and the yellow jacket stung me. And it hurt. You know how sensitive the bottom of your foot is? It really hurt. Some of y'all have done that where you've gotten stung on your foot. It really hurt. Um, it swole up like this big around and then it itched like crazy for two days. And so um, that's not the point of the story. But, but I remember my parents telling me, like they were going to make me feel better about it. So I remember my parents telling me, you know, he might have stung you, but you killed him. <laughs> I was like, okay, my foot still hurts, right? And, and, but I thought about that. You know, Jesus felt the sting of death for a moment. But in the end, he crushed Satan. Satan has no hope. He is a toothless lion. He may prowl around and he may roar and he may seek whom he might devour but he has been left toothless by Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit he can and does bring us to life and we see through the story of the sheep and the coin and the prodigal son that we can return to God when we've wandered away we, we see that we can come back. For some of us, we're like the other brother, and we're not going to read this, but there's an older brother in this story. It's an older son. So he never wandered away. But when we read the story, we see that he wasn't feasting at his father's table either. He wasn't enjoying what his father had done for him and would do for him. He wasn't living in the reality of what all he had. In fact, he became jealous because his, his, his younger brother, who had squandered away some of their wealth, had a party thrown for him. And the father tells him, he says, listen, you've always had everything that was mine. But he never really enjoyed it. 
And I wonder how many of us have been around church? How many of us have been to Bible studies? How many of us have been to Sunday school? How many of us have done all the religious stuff, but we never really experienced the relationship with God and the joy that he wants us to have through that? And here's the thing I know. I know that there are people here today and there's three different types of people here. I know this, like I know my name's Brandon. One type of people is the people who've never experienced Jesus. You've never come to a relationship with Christ. You don't have a relationship with Christ. You don't have a relationship with God. And there are people here like that today. The other is people who wandered away. You, you, you know, like I am lost. I am lost. I have wandered away from God so far. But God's speaking to your heart to bring you back to bring you near. And the third is like this older brother. Who, man, you've been in church, you've been doing all the right stuff, but you've lost the joy of that relationship. And for some, you may have been around it all your life and never had a relationship. But today, all of that can change. It can change as you hear the voice of God and you come to him for the first time or you return to him just as this lost son returned to his father. This is what I can tell you. I don't care how far you've run. I don't care how far you've gone. I don't care how far you've strayed. When you have a change of mind, a change of heart and a change of direction and you turn back to God, he's gonna meet you there. He's gonna meet you there. And so here's what I want to do. I want to ask, as we always do, if you haven't had a relationship with Jesus, but God's speaking to your heart and you want that relationship, you want to know God, you want to know Christ, you just want that relationship with Jesus. And God's drawing you to himself. I want you to just, where you are, would you stick up your hand so we can celebrate with you and we can pray with you? If you've never had a relationship with Christ, but today would be the day of salvation for you then you say, yeah, that's me, and you stick your hand in the air and let us pray with you. Is there anybody here today that that would describe you? Okay. Then in just a second, I'm gonna pray. And when I pray, I'm gonna invite you to come to the front. If you need to get out of your seat and you need to come down here and get on your knees and spend some time at the altar returning to God, maybe you've wandered. Some of you, your life's in shambles. And for some, you've just gotten off target. Today's the day that God can put you back on track. He can put you back where you need to be. He can put you back where he wants you to be. All we've got to do is have a change of mind, a change of heart, a change of direction and return to our Father. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask you to move. You move and come down here and you spend time with God. The rest of us will be dismissed, but let's pray. I'll pray you move. God, thank you so much for your love for us, your grace. Thank you for the power of returning. Thank you for restoration. Thank you for the love you give us. Thank you for the power of grace to transform our hearts and transform our lives, Lord. I pray that you would continue to enlighten us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Continue to awaken us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Continue, God to let us see that Jesus has pursued us and let us celebrate that. Let us feast at your table. God, we love you and we, we, want to, 
we want to know you more, God. We want to see you move, God. We want to see a, a revival take place, God. And my prayer is that that would begin in our hearts, in our hearts, and it would spread to others. So, God, we come to you today thanking you for what you do. Thank you for how you've done it. Thank you for the love you've placed in our lives. And thanking you for Jesus. God, just move in a way that only you can move. Change us in a way that only you can change us. And use us in a way that only you can use us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Y'all have an awesome week.